Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. You are about to listen to an original episode of Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of upcoming shows, go to barrykatz.com. After you finish the podcast, please take a moment to subscribe to it, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it sucks. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. Tremendously happy and so, so, so looking forward to my interview today with YouTube creator and influencer Bart Baker. It's one of the few interviews I've ever done with a YouTube star, probably the only one I've ever done, over 200 episodes, and we're going to see a side of Bart that... Many of us fans have never seen before, and for our audience who hasn't been in this world, you're going to be blown away by his story. Just incredible. What a great, great, unique, special man. Before I get started, I want to thank all of you for supporting the podcast. Really appreciate it. If you're just checking it out just now, just go to Apple Podcast and subscribe. It's free. doesn't cost anything. And I can guarantee you the stories that you're about to hear today and the ones you'll hear from the past 200 plus episodes are some that are invaluable. And again, it's free. All you got to do is subscribe. But as you know, I like to look at my guest and sort of think about what I'm going to say about him. I never know what I'm going to say, but whatever it is, hopefully it comes across in a way that makes sense. So when I think of Bart Baker, what I think about is a guy who started at zero, zero, a guy who didn't really have necessarily a direction that he wanted to go in or any thoughts of himself being a star in the beginning. He just wanted to create something special and unique with no real aspirations of it being as big as it probably became. I think in a way he thought to himself, God, if I could do really well and 
get some videos up. Hopefully some people look at them, they'll like them, and I'll start creating an audience that will follow me. And this is what happened. And what was fascinating about BART, and one of the things that I want to express to you guys in this cold open, is BART didn't start putting himself in everything. Bart didn't start in a way where he was the star of every video. No, in the beginning he created videos that were unique, that we're going to talk about, that presented situations that weren't the norm. He would take relevant artists and cast people in the videos that were five times their age and create these unique, special, original pieces that nobody was doing on the web. And he figured out a way to get people's attention. But he didn't star in these videos. He had other people star in them. And then he built up a following to where he felt confident, little by little, bringing himself into the fold, developing himself, taking it easy, not rushing himself, getting himself acclimated to the area that he was getting involved in, which was YouTube. And slowly but surely, he built an audience, a hundred thousand by a hundred thousand, a million by a million, and well over 10 million people now regularly subscribe to his YouTube channel. And when I say regularly, because it's a tough profession, you can lose just as many subscribers as you gain on any given day if you don't create the content that makes them want to stay. You can't be in a situation where you put a video on YouTube on your channel one week and then the next scheduled time you're supposed to have it on, then you don't have it. You have to have consistency and you have to have a product that seemingly gets better and better every time you deliver it. And this is what Bard does. This was his philosophy. Again, start what you're doing and what you want to do. Don't necessarily have to put yourself forefront, front and center, carrying the entire weight of the production. One only has to look at Louis C.K.'s episode of Fat Girl and see that 7 minutes and 28 seconds was a monologue of a woman walking down the esplanade in New York overlooking the Statue of Liberty with Louis probably delivering only 10 or 15% of the lines. He created the show. He's the star of the show. But he's not afraid to sit back and let others shine. And when he wants to get involved and when he wants to have a scene that means something to him, he delivers it in spades in the greatest form possible. And I think Bart Baker early on in the YouTube process figured this out and he slowly worked his way in and now he stars in his own videos. He has people that he brings in as cast members and he creates these memorable, unique special parodies that almost no one is doing on YouTube. So if you want to get where you want to go in any profession, seems 
easy. It's not easy. But if you follow these steps that this man has accomplished on YouTube, I can guarantee you, you'll have a chance at the kind of career he has. And here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in showbiz and you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Now Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. Welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. Very exciting episode, unlike any other, with YouTube creator, producer, influencer, Bart Baker. And without further ado, let's give him the introduction that he deserves. Bart is an American entertainer, web-based comedian, video producer, an artist known for his short videos on YouTube, Vine, and also Lively. Bart grew up in Winnetka, Illinois, and graduated from the University of Miami with a double major in film, video, and art, and a minor in psychology. He then went on to start his own YouTube channel in 2010, which quickly became a success through his parodies of music videos from famous artists. His parodies include Katy Perry, Miley Cyrus, Justin Bieber, Taylor Swift, and so many others that we could never count here or the episode would be over before it began. Today, Bart is one of the top online influencers in the world with a YouTube following of over 12 million. Please welcome my guest today. What an honor. Very excited. Bart Baker. What's up? <laughs> I was leaving my kids and they just asked me on a whim, where are you going? I said, I'm doing a podcast with Bart Baker. And they're like, Bart Baker, we got to get there. You don't understand, Daddy. This is big. This is the biggest guest you've ever had. <laughs> I'm like, well, we had Kevin Hart. We had Jeannie Busk. We've had the president of Netflix. We've had Dennis Rod. We had a lot of big. Daddy, you don't understand. This guy is incredible. And the people that they were around, I was yeah. dropping them off with these friends of theirs, and they all knew you, and they all were incredibly, incredibly happy that you were sitting down with me. This kind of format is odd, but I find what you do fascinating. So you remember when Michelle Obama said, they take the low road mm -hmm. and we take the high road right. and Hillary Clinton we take the high road yeah. they take the low road well right. guess who won the fucking election yeah <laughs> I'm not saying you take the low road but what I'm saying <coughs> is that you've decided that mm -hmm. your lane and Chappelle one of the greatest things he ever says to young comedians and I consider you a comedy artist and I consider you to be brilliant thank by you. the way thank you is he says find your lane Right. So when did you decide that your lane was going to be to sort of do what I guess you'd say the closest thing is to what SNL does with their parodies mm -hmm. with people that they necessarily have a tiny bit of animosity for or right. they don't have as much respect for. Right. When did you decide when you were starting this journey 
that you were going to be the guy who took that lane? Well, when I first started doing parodies, I guess it was 2010, uh, they weren't this way. They didn't go after the artist and and make fun of the song, um, which actually didn't make it legal. Legally, you have to do that for it to be a parody. And when I found that out, I'm like, oh, well, that makes it actually more fun. So now I can roast these artists and do it in a way. This is what everyone wants to is actually thinking, but I'm just going to put it on YouTube and remake the video saying the things everyone's thinking uh, about these artists. Because if you go to the comments section, it's basically all negative on YouTube. So you get a lot of inspiration from angry comment sections. Um, so I think I started doing that in like 2012. And that's really when it hit a chord with people and when the channel took off is when I started uh, really just roasting the artists. That's what people wanted to see. You're two years on the YouTube channel. Yeah. Before you make the decision that you are going to do your first one, an hour before you decided what is your subscription count and um, what happened after you did well, that. Well, so I was doing, like I said, I was doing parodies before, but they were a different format. They were more satire. They were making fun of other like other things. And what was fascinating about you also in the beginning, which I thought was really interesting, and it's a great lesson for certain artists who understand themselves as an artist. Bart didn't throw himself headfirst into the starring role <clears throat> in each one of these videos. He nope. understood in his mind, hey, I believe in myself but I don't think I'm ready yet, so let me surround myself with great people, get my feet wet, figure out what I'm doing, and build to something. Mm, right. You actually, unbelievably, and it's the greatest message to any artist who's doing their own thing, you developed yourself. Right. What happened when you decided to do your first one <clears throat> where you're really going yeah. after So it? when I switched it up and started doing, doing it the way that I do it now, um, I think my subscriber count was like maybe 150,000 or something, which was, you know, still like at the time I was pretty excited about. But then it went to a million within like, you know, I don't know what it was. It was fast. It was fast. It started climbing really fast. Um, and I didn't think I would ever, I thought I would get to a million when I was like 30. And it turned out I got to a million like a lot sooner than that. <laughs> um, but it was because I switched it up. And, I did this new format and I started making fun of the artists and I turned every parody into almost like a musical. Like there's there's always a twist ending, there's interaction between the characters. It's not just a straight up like music video where they're just rapping or singing to camera. It's a whole world that's happening. The one that I really <laughs> loved, you were parroting a very famous YouTuber named Jacob Sartorius. And you do the parody of him and you're in Venice Beach around what he's doing. You're doing the whole thing. And then at the very end of the video, there's a little turn with the tag and it's 30 years later. <laughs> and you're sitting on a lawn as a homeless person trying to engage people in something that yeah. was some I'm technology. I'm trying to get them to buy my sweatshirt single and my, and my, and my uh, merch, my merchandise. And that's what I think separates you from everybody else. Yes, anyone can shit on somebody. Sure. But you tell a story yeah. as you're shitting on them, and a lot of times you close it off with a tag. Right. 
that's really, really important. You don't always do that, but no. if I had any managerial <clears throat> producer suggestion for you, one of the things that will take you to an even higher level is if you tag each story with something that's that extra holy shit moment. You know those horror movies, you think they're done, you're like, oh boy, I guess got through this movie. Oh, where's she walking? Through the cemetery. Oh, that hand just came up from yeah, the grave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, like the end of every Taylor Swift parody. She always, <laughs> she always comes back from the dead because she's Satan. Well, she can't kill Satan. So. Do you really believe that? I, you know, deep down inside, if, until I meet her, I have a, I, I, something about her is telling me she is Satan on Earth. If I met her, she would, she would uh, change my mind, but I haven't met her. Do Maybe you, she's a nice girl. Do you think when she looks in the mirror... In her the eyes morning, are red, I think. She thinks she's Satan. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, she puts her contacts in to cover up the red eyes. Honestly. You think she's just partying too much or no? No, I think she's Satan. I mean, I don't really think she's Satan. Well, maybe I do. <laughs> Tell me a time when you did a parody of somebody and you finished it and you're about to release it and you go and you sit on your couch in the fetal position and you say to yourself... I think I went a little too far there. I think I really went one step too far there. That usually happens after the video's out already. So when has that happened to you? Uh, when has this happened? I mean, I think it's, I think when I look back on some of my older ones, they're a lot harsher than my newer ones. Um, Anaconda, Nicki Minaj, I really went to town on her, like really bad. And apparently she got pissed about that. Um, but at the time when I was making it, I can't, it's almost like it's such a fine line because if you're too, if you're not, if you're, if you don't roast them enough, then the artist audience is like, well, what the heck? If you do it too much, then people get pissed, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I think that one was one I'd look back on. I'm like, wow, I really went in on her. Um, and you know. The interesting thing is I don't have anything against any of these artists. I actually like all their music. All the parodies I do, I'm fans of the artists for the most part. Jacob's music, no. Um, but that being said, all the other people, Justin Bieber, most of Taylor Swift's music, um, all of these artists, I'm sitting there listening to these songs for two weeks straight. I better like them, right? I mean, when I'm making the parody. So it's not like it's, it's, it's really all coming from a place of comedy as opposed to um, it's not like – it's not how I actually feel about them. So that's kind of like something that I have to remember when I look, look at these things. But a lot of people don't know that. You know, I remember I spent a lot of time at Saturday Night Live. I had many cast members who were on the show, yeah. hosts that were on the show. And I'll never forget this one time when I was first going and I represented Jay Moore. He was the first cast member I ever got on the show. And that was with Spade and Farley mm -hmm. and Sandler and Mike Myers. And Spade had something that was really taking off. It was his breakout thing that he was doing. It wasn't acting on the Weekend Update. He was doing the Hollywood Minute. Gotcha. And the Hollywood Minute was basically like speed dating, shitting on celebrities. So there would be a picture that came up and then he'd just say something. Right. And I'll never forget what happened one day on a Saturday night live when Eddie Murphy's picture came up on back of him and he simply looked at the camera and he said, catch a falling star. And then he just went on to the next thing. And Eddie Murphy 
was calling the studio, I'd say every 15 minutes, let me talk to Spade, get him on the phone. And Spade finally got on the phone and he tore him a new colon, <laughs> just letting him know that if it wasn't for him, he'd never have an opportunity to even be on that set. Are there some people that you take the task that you say to yourself, if they didn't do what they do, I wouldn't have the opportunity to do what I do? Well, I mean, if you think about it, all the all of these artists, if they weren't around doing what they do, I wouldn't be doing what I do because I wouldn't have the I wouldn't have the inspiration for the parody. So yeah, I mean, literally all of them. <laughs> Honestly, even every new artist that comes out when I do a parody of them, if it wasn't for them being there, it wouldn't have happened. So um, it's a really interesting situation. I mean, I feel like if somebody came up to me or called me and said like, don't do that, maybe I wouldn't do it. But if it was live TV, I feel like it's a whole different situation as opposed to something that's produced. And most of the artists I think understand that it's a, you know, I, I do it to everyone. So it's not like I'm going after anyone in particular at all. Is there anyone, any artist that you have so much deep respect for that just for you, they are off limits. You will never uh, parody them because hmm. you have so much love in your heart and your mind for their work. I think so. There's one artist in particular who I I've done parodies of, but I I just there's I have nothing. I would never actually go after him as an artist, and I think it's like Bruno Mars. I would say is one of those people where it's like, how do you do a parody of this guy where there's really nothing to hit him on? You know, he's pretty much like. The music's genius. He's crushing it. What do, he doesn't get into trouble. Like, what do I do? Like, it's that's one of the people who it's almost like everyone loves Bruno Mars. Nobody doesn't like Bruno Mars. He seems like the nicest, coolest guy in the entire world. So that like going after him and making fun of him directly, I don't. There's nothing to do. I wouldn't do it. I don't. I wouldn't. People would get pissed. And I don't think there's a reason to. But that being said, I've still done parodies of Bruno Mars. We just do it in a different way where we don't go after him. Like there's we try to make something we try to go after the the song or the title or the concept of the song in general. So it's totally, you know, keeping him as an artist off to the side and the actual song itself kind of poking fun at. You just take the song itself and make fun of the concept of the song and just blow it out of proportion. Like we did that with uh, with What Do You Mean? Like the whole concept is Justin literally doesn't know what anything means. To, and then at the end, he ends up jumping off a building because he doesn't understand gravity. So that's not actually going after him as much, even though, because I've already, I've got Justin so many times that I don't know what else to get him for. Um, and he doesn't like me. So I, I found that out from Scooter Braun. That yeah. being said, I like him, but he just thinks that I'm a douchebag, and I, I call him a douchebag in my videos, but that doesn't mean I mean it because I've never met him. So maybe he is a nice guy, and I like his music. Um, so if you're listening to this, Justin and Scooter, tell, tell, tell Justin to chill out, bro. <laughs> you know, man? I'm a big fan, actually, of his music. So take a chill pill. <laughs> Let's grab some drinks. <laughs> tell me the first time you saw somebody take the piss out of you and decide to 
heckle you with your own devices and parody you and go forward and try to do something extraordinary by taking what you do and taking the piss out of you. Dude, I'm waiting for it. Nobody's done it yet. I mean, maybe like some people on YouTube have done stuff, but it's not like I haven't noticed it because it's not like uh, big names have done it. Nobody, nobody big has done it yet. So I'm just waiting. Come on. <laughs> Come at me, bro. What makes you angry? What makes you disappointed? What makes you hurt? What affects you that people would never believe your fans no one would ever believe has an effect on you but at the end of the day when you're putting your head on the pillow mm -hmm. you're kind of like god i wish this was this way i wish this person was as far as like on youtube the the comments that that bother me the most are the ones where it's like oh you used to be good no you're not and it's all every video has those comments it's like, oh, your last video was you used to be good. I'm like, when was when did I used to be good? Two weeks ago? <laughs> when I put out in every two weeks, it's like you have to outdo yourself. That drives me crazy. Cause you can't always outdo yourself. Sometimes you have you have you have to work with a video that's not even as interesting as the last video, and you don't even have the the um, you know, the the material to make it as funny as the last one. But there's always the judgment there. Like you have to constantly be outdoing yourself on on the internet. Um and, you know, the whole thing's a numbers game. That's another thing that, that drives me crazy. And a lot of people don't know this about YouTubers, but a lot of YouTubers deal with depression and it's all because of the numbers. Numbers, numbers, numbers. It's like you're in high school in perpetuity. It's a popularity contest. And it drives it drives me crazy. And I know it drives a lot of people crazy. Um, but it's, you know, it, everything is literally like how many likes did you get? How many views did you get? How many subscribers do you have? Everything's based on that. And it's... It's, it's, uh, you know, it bothers me sometimes, but that's my, that's the industry. Well, you know, that old expression, that's not getting there. It's staying there. Yeah, no, and for sure. And you know what? Falling off of YouTube is the easiest thing because you stop making videos for a couple months. Mm -hmm. That's it. You're done. It's the consistency. It's they'll find someone else who does something similar and now they're not interested in you anymore. And, and there's always like the next hot per, like group of people on YouTube who they're not now they're not interested in the people who were there before. So it's like, how do you constantly stay relevant? Luckily for me, my format kind of keeps me relevant because it's always whatever is relevant. I'm taking it. I'm, I'm, I'm making fun of that. I'm going to put my manager producer hat <clears throat> on and tell you when I saw what you do, I thought of a business model for you, not for where you are now, uh -huh. but how to make you the person that I think that you are, which not only do I think you're an artist and a guy who likes to have fun, and not only you guy who is able to cut through the craziness of everything, but you're also an entrepreneur and you're thinking of the next thing sure. before the thing you're doing right now. You're thinking of next year. How's it going to be here? Mm -hmm. What it is. So this is what I was thinking that would be a great business model for you. And you okay. tell me if I'm high. I would love to hear this. You sort of do a situation starting now where your brand is such that this is your channel but you have people that you sign mm -hmm. for your channel. Right. So you do casting call where you cast 
five people who are exclusive to your channel. Right. You have money now and you can do things where you can offer people things that other people can't offer. Mm -hmm. And so you find these great people. It's like you're starting a television series where you're the star. It's like you're Keenan Ivory Wayans right. and you're casting Jim Carrey, mm -hmm. Damon Wayans, yeah. Yeah. David Allen Greer. You're casting your people and they're exclusive in YouTube and viral videos to your channel. Right. They're your cast members. And you do deals with them where not only you get them on your channel, but if they're offered another show, you're producing that show. Right. You might not be in it, but you're a participant in that model. Right. And you could be the first person ever to create your own television series and your own cast that your mind created. They're writers as well. They write things. They mm -hmm. do things special. They might write an entire week's thing. Right. You might say, hey, you two go off and you write next week's. You two go off and you write the week after. Bring it to me on this date. I'm going to look it over. I'm going to rewrite it, do whatever. You're the showrunner. And now you've created a brand where you're starring in it. But now you have five or six people who you're breaking as stars yeah. that you believe in. You create your Saturday Night Live on YouTube where you're the showrunner, the executive producer, the star, but maybe one week you're not the star. Right. I think that would be a business model yeah. that would be really great for you. And I think your fans would be excited because they see that you're not only thinking long term, but you're giving people an opportunity. Right. You're putting a casting call out to where you're making things happen and you're changing the business model of how people do things. Right. You're going to have to spend a little bit of your money and invest in yourself, which stings. And you could be a trailblazer in that and change the face of what you're doing. What do you think of that idea? No, that's a really smart idea. And there are some people doing that, actually. They're building out YouTube groups of people that they sign under themselves and then they promote those people and they take their revenue, basically. Well, portions of it. And then they, they make those people famous and but they're they're underneath that umbrella, meaning like if it was the Bart Baker umbrella, they'd be underneath my umbrella, they'd be in my videos, they'd have their own channels, and then it would uh it would all snowball. So it's just a brand new model that people are actually starting to do right now. It's and very smart. Are you thinking of that for yourself or I'm no? thinking about it. Yeah, I'm thinking about how to make it work and the best way to do it. And I think that it's definitely something that would be smart to do because you know bringing new people is you know there's always going to be an, a, another person who comes in and maybe that person is going to be the one of these people you never know there's so many talented people out there hey everybody let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success it's a project i've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. 
I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to BarryCats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Hey everybody, I am really, really excited. We have a new sponsor, AquaTrue. This is the first countertop water purifier using multi-stage reverse osmosis technology. I know it sounds complicated, but let's put it this way. This is something that can take your tap water and can turn it into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You're going to be enjoying the best water, the safest water. And if you haven't read all the news about Flint, Michigan, in every single state, there's over 100 chemicals found in tap water that are not even regulated by the EPA. Many of them are cancer-causing and have lead in them. So you can go to a special website that we've set up called industrystandardwater.com. It takes you directly to the AquaTrue site. And if you get this product, you're going to get $100 off. Just type in 100 in the special code section. You'll get that money off and you'll start saving. You can put a whole huge bottle of Diet Coke in this machine. And 10 minutes later, it'll come out with the best tasting water you've ever had. I got one of these products. It was unbelievable. Industrystandardwater.com. And you'll be enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever tasted. I want to go way, way, way back. Take our audience back to where you grew up, what kind of financial dynamic was it, and what was the first inspiration for you to say to yourself, I want to start my own channel. I think I could do characters. Right. Well, I grew up in Chicago. You know, there's a, it's a town called Winneka. I went to New Trier High School. Um, and... You know, I mean, financially, just like we were not, it was good, but we weren't rich or anything like that. Um, But, you know, I was the only child, always had dogs. And uh, I I don't know, when I was like fifth grade, I started kind of getting into film stuff. My dad got a shitty VHS camera and I was like, this is awesome. That's kind of how I got started with it is that. Um, and then I, I ended up going to film school and from there actually, which, you know, my parents hate this, but I didn't really learn much in film school, uh, because they didn't teach me anything about the digital stuff that I needed to know. They taught me how to like cut film with a razor blade. Like, come on. Um, uh, this is right when YouTube was like getting really big. So they still didn't, they didn't account for that yet in their curriculum, which I'm hoping they do now. Cause if they don't, there's a big problem. Uh, so after college, you know, I went to this film school, I went to UM, Miami, University of Miami. I got out and I was like, that's when I, I had a YouTube channel, but I wasn't using it. And I was like, I want to do this. I want to try it out. I know how to do everything. I shoot, I could shoot the stuff in my backyard for $10. Um, and I started shooting stuff and Lonely Island actually was what inspired me to start shooting comedy music videos in my backyard. Uh, on a green screen and it 
you know, one of them, the first one I did took off. Which Lonely Island sketch on SNL? Jizz in my pants. <laughs> That's the one that spoke to me. I was like, I was like, this is so well done. It's so, it's so awesome. I was like, this is, and it's my comedy too. It's like perverted, like, you know. So I'm like, this is it. Like, I'm going to start doing videos like this for YouTube, but that don't cost like $300,000. It costs like thirty. And those videos that they do on <laughs> SNL, there's a big budget those for those. Those things are crazy budget, yeah. I bet you could do the same thing <clears throat> yeah. for well, nothing. Now I can. Yeah, now I can do this. I could probably do one of those videos for like three grand, four grand maybe. Like, you could have a stunt penis for dick in a box. Oh, yeah, parody. for sure. You could do everything. For sure, for sure. But even but back then, I had no money. So, you know, 30 bucks, I would just buy some crappy outfits and that's it. I'm good. Green screening was all we needed. So, you had a YouTube channel. You weren't using it. Yeah. So take our audience and your audience through the process of where you're going to create, write, and shoot and cast your first video that really has components to it that you think are going to change the face of what you're doing. What's the idea? Oh, okay. What's the concept? <clears throat> How do you come up with it? I started, I did a parody and uh, after my second video was a parody and, and it, it was, you know, it was okay. It did pretty good. But, but then I, I, I was like, you know what, we got to figure out a way to, to stand out. And this is when it, my first two videos, I was in them primarily a lot, like featured as one of the stars. But then I was like, it's so hard to get views on YouTube and get found on YouTube. You have to do something different all these kids want to be on YouTube. So like, what's, why would people be interested in me? Like what's different about me as opposed to these other dudes who already have a million subscribers. So I was like, I need to figure out something that's going to get the channel attention. So I started casting 90 year old men to play uh, Katy Perry and Snoop Dogg and stuff like that. And that freaking got attention. Why 90 year old people? I don't know. I just went to a screening of a movie called If You're Not in the Obituary, and it was a documentary about 90-year-old people. Yeah. And after the documentary, it was one of those moments where you just say to yourself, I can't believe that I'm here. It was Mel Brooks, mm, okay. Carl Reiner, Dick Van Dyke, Norman Lear, and you're sitting with four 90-year-old people who are right next to you. And it's like that moment sometimes where if your audience knows, you sometimes there's that grandparent that you sit down with and you know that something special's happening. Yeah. Yet there's four of these people in our business that have lived everything. And that's fascinating that you did that and you knew yeah. that your audience <clears throat> would be okay with it. And well, I didn't love have it. an audience. So it didn't matter what I did back then. I had like a thousand subscribers. So the first one was California Girls, Parody of California Girls, Katy Perry. I casted, put a Craigslist up on, you know, looking for senior citizens to be in a music video. Tell and me what those auditions were like. Really interesting. You know, we just, <laughs> we just had them like uh, do like some singing and dancing and, and that's it. And they, you know, they sat down and they tell their life story and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, all we wanted to know is if they could lip sync. 
and we picked uh, two dudes who could lip sync really well. Did you know right away when you saw the people that you picked that yeah. this is going to be the person? Yeah, yeah. And it, do you pay them anything? We paid them. Um, it was nothing much, but, you know. And, you know, they were dressed like as Katie. One of them was dressed as Katy Perry. He was wearing a bra and underwear and a blue wig. So he also would fall asleep like every once in a while. We had to wake him up. His name was Alan. He's still out there. He was a really, really, really funny, nice guy. He was an actor, and but you know he wasn't used to lip syncing. We had to do everything line by line, um, and that's how we did it back. That's how I that that video took off. Katy Perry tweeted it. Perez Hilton picked it up um, back when he was like really popular, um, and it got. It was the first video that got a million views. It was that one. And then I used that formula for a little bit with old people. And it was like, it's very interesting how people responded to it. And then after that, I, I kind of ran with that for a while. And then I started putting myself in the videos after I built up kind of a, base fan, a, a base of subscribers. Tell me an artist who's a YouTuber who you have the greatest respect for that you look at them and you say, sort of how a young actor looks at Pacino mm. and De Niro and says, wow, if I could just get to the point where I do what they do, or is there no one out there like that in your field? I think it, there's, there's some people who out there who make, there's not many people doing the same type of content that I do. You know, there's really like maybe like two channels that do it and that actually do it well. Um, so, but as far as like, there's a lot of channels that I'll look at and I'll just be like, wow, like I can't believe how engaged their following is and how, you know, how well that, that they are doing. And I'll look at those channels and I'll be like, man, I need to get to that point. Um, and, but you know, I don't know. I don't have a channel in particular, I would say that, or like that I would, I would look at it in that way. When you meet people, you don't really understand what's happened in their life. And the great acting coach, Larry Moss, once said on this podcast, all great artists have a hole blown through them. Mm -hmm. And they use their creative forces to fill the hole that has been blown through them by things in their personal life that have taken their toll. Can you talk to the audience about what you've gone through with your mom and friends of yours who've been affected by cancer? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, when I was younger, I think it was like fourth grade or something like that. My mom got breast cancer. And at the time, it was almost like I was so young and like naive. I was just like, oh, she'll be fine. And thank God she was and she got through it and nothing else is it hasn't come back but so many of her friends have been affected by it it's it's crazy the generation that my mom's generation so many of her friends have died it's a lot of my my friends parents obviously um that's the generation have passed away all cancer related stuff um I mean, I don't know if I would say that that's affected me career-wise, but I think it's affected me just life-wise and, you know, kind of appreciating the fact that, wow, I was very lucky that she pulled through and that she got through this. And, um, 
Yeah, you know, but I, I'm not sure if I would say that that's like made like driven me uh, towards success with my career. It did, however, allow me to, to get wigs for free because she had a lot of wigs lying around from her chemotherapy. <laughs> so that's honestly one of the very first videos I did. I was using her wigs for, and she thought that was hilarious because she's like, "Oh wow!" Like all because of because of my stupid wigs that were lying around, you started shooting videos. Uh, in the backyard dressed as a woman. I'm like, oh, I guess there's a reason for everything. Well, that's a messed up reason, but you know, it's kind of funny at the end of the day to look back on that. Talk about this collaboration you're doing with this new company based on the title of this project, Bravo Bunny. How were you convinced that this is something that will be great for you and your career and for um, the next level? We, we met it. We met at Cannes Film Festival, um, and you know. I think that right away I was really interested. I've always, my videos are very, very, very heavily reliant on voice acting. It's all, it's all voiceover stuff. Everything in the, at the end of the day, that's what it is. So that really interested me. And, um, it's, it's, it's actually like, it's, you'd be surprised how similar like animation and, and what I do really are um the only difference is what i do isn't animated but everything is recorded in a studio all the voices are done that way none of it's actual live action audio they 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 there's so many similarities in what we do and this seemed like a a great project to, to come together on and work on together uh, together so that's basically kind of how it all started two years ago at Cannes Film Festival. So it all goes back to the alcohol. Well, what else can you do at Cannes Film Festival? That's all people, everyone goes there just to drink in a big yard, basically by the ocean. I want to talk to you about this amazing documentary that I worked on called I Killed JFK. It's centered on the only person in history to have admitted to killing John F. Kennedy on the grassy knoll his story, the footage, the interviews, never been seen before. You can't find them anywhere except on this documentary. Go to ikilljfk.com, look at the trailer, buy this documentary. I guarantee you it will blow you away. Your proudest moment so far in your young show business career my proudest moment um <clears throat> i i still feel like the proudest moment for me was just getting that hitting that first million subscribers cuz that's such a milestone for everyone it's like like i said i i i had this plan in my head like if i hit a million by the time i was 30 i'd be happy and it happened a lot earlier than that um so when that happened it it feels it felt so amazing to know that wow there's that many people who are watching and subscribe to my content and it started you know in a backyard on a green screen um and the thing that's funny though is that every time you get to a milestone you're never happy with it so you know now the next milestone's 10 million which i'm about to hit um so i think that'll be my next proudest moment but at the end of the day, yeah, I think that was probably the one for me is, was, was that, uh, that one. I'm going to take a bet on myself here and say something about you, and I don't know you. But I'm going to take a bet 
that you were happier when you hit one million with your life and how you are as a person and the pressures of everyday business than you are now heading towards 10 million. Am I wrong or am I right? No, definitely. You're right, for sure. There's too, so much more going on now. It's totally different. Um, that, yeah, it's... Um, and, and at the same time, everything was much more simple then. Even though it wasn't that long ago, it's definitely... Um, it, things are much more stressful things are you know constantly it's more of a like i said before it's a constant worry about numbers this and that and uh maintaining the youtube channel and maintaining the presence and staying relevant uh so yeah i would say that when you're first especially when you're new into something too it's always like um it's a different vibe as opposed to when you've been doing it for uh a few years five years fuck six years maybe i've been doing it now so yeah um it's probably you're probably right now a lot of people who have youtube channels they're brought down like people in mainstream media by doing too much drugs and chasing too much money and they lose sight of where they are and where they're going and how they get there and they fall like a set of car keys in a fish tank. How do you avoid falling into those traps? Or have you fallen into the trap and dug yourself out a few times? Um, so I've I've had a girlfriend for four, three and a half, four years. So, you know, that's actually helped a lot. And I've, it's kept me grounded. I'm not going out and partying and, and doing drugs and stuff like that. When I first got to L.A., I was partying a lot more. Um which was, you know, I think for like a year when I was here. Uh, but the only thing that um, at this point that really I feel can mess up or uh, kind of off track my career is when I start just like drinking. Because then when I do that, I've this has happened like last year. If I go on like a drinking spell and I'll go on a spell, I'm talking about like, you know, like a week straight, just like whatever. I'm, I don't need to work this week. I have videos sitting there making money. I can take a break and party, which, you know, I'm not going to clubs and stuff, but I'm like just like like tuning out. And when you tune out and you do that, that's when you start to not pay attention to simple things like how many subscribers am I uh, going up right now? Are my views staying consistent? Are they dropping? Are they going down are they are they going up and if one when you when you do that just for a week even or a couple weeks and you take that break you can really slip and fall and get into the mindset where you're like coasting and that's a problem because you can't coast in this industry because you'll you'll coast and then you'll disappear i interviewed david copperfield who's probably the greatest magician of all time he's been the number one magician in the world for 35 straight years. Yeah. Last year, he was the fifth highest grossing entertainment person behind George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Oprah, wow. and Michael Jordan. Wow. And I asked him, you know, you know, you own 11 islands. You're 60 years old now. Yeah. You know, you're taking it easy. How many shows did you do last year? Right. 
And he said, I did 638 shows last year. Holy shit, dude. That's insane. But what he essentially said was, it's not getting there. You got to stay there. And there's all these people out there who are trying to knock you off, who are trying to take what you do and get out there. And I have to remain relevant and I have to keep going. Right. And I don't want to relinquish my spot on the mountain. Right. You know, that's kind of... um why when you asked me how you were, we were probably happier then it's because yeah because getting there is almost easier sometimes than staying there it's definitely more fun getting there than staying there <laughs> that's the part that's that's the hard part it's so it's really hard now especially on youtube so many people are popping up every day in di- the digital community in general every platform how do you keep up with that but you have to stay relevant. You have to reinvent yourself sometimes. You have to do it. Your biggest disappointment <clears throat> in your young career and how you used it to fuel yourself to the next level. We actually, I shot an entire series for YouTube. I shot a pilot for YouTube Red. It was going to be a series. Um, and, you know, it took them six months to greenlight it. And then it took six months to shoot at it and all that stuff. And at the end of the day, they decided they were going a different direction with YouTube Red and they weren't doing anything with creators anymore. They want to do stuff with like The Rock. So we just did all this work and the, it was a really funny pilot. And they're just like, sorry, we like the pilot, but we're not working with YouTubers. And guess who owns it? They they basically own it. They're, get, they're letting us, they're being nice. They're letting us take it places because they felt bad and they should because they were... They kind of fucked us. Um, but that being said, Google, if you hear this, don't delete my channel. <laughs> they hold grudges sometimes. Um, but that was super disappointing, and it pissed me off. And it sucked because we kept getting feedback that it was so great, and they loved it, and it's going to get picked up. And that was, you know, it's definitely disappointing when you, when you especially when you think something's going to happen and it doesn't happen. Um, investing a lot of time into something like that is different than with a YouTube, with a parody, I invest, you know, a couple weeks and then it's the next one. It's a different vibe when you're doing a, a, a pilot for a show because that's more of an investment uh, time-wise as opposed to two weeks. Um, but, you know, when that happened um, and, you know, at the same time, that being said, at the same time that this was happening, a lot of other stuff was happening um, with my my channel, with the network that I was with, with, uh, you know, leaving my talent agency, um, getting new lawyers. Everything happened within three weeks. Um, so it was really hard to deal with all that stuff all at once. And I had to figure out a way to get out of it and pull myself out of it and... I started doing, you know, more stuff, even more stuff. At first I started to drink because I was like, "Eh, screw it. But then after like, you know, getting that out of my system, I was like, well, I need to be doing more than I'm doing right now. So I relaunched, I have two channels on YouTube. I relaunched my second channel. Now I'm putting up content on there on a regular basis as well. So there's, there's, uh, there's more content now than there ever was before. I'm doing the parodies now are doing better than they've, than they've done in years because I'm taking a different approach to it and I'm looking at it in a different way. And I'm writing everything and doing everything myself again, as opposed to I got in a swing of things where people were doing stuff for me because it was a machine and it wasn't working as well. And right now, um, after all that bad shit happened, um, 
all this good shit started to happen. That's right. That's the way it works. Yeah, and, that is and, the way it works. <laughs> and the greatest feeling in the world, the lesson you learned was you take the money from the man, you play by the man's rules. You take your own money and your own mind with your own rules and you play by your rule. You do what you want, produce, direct, star. And you know what the schedule of when it gets greenlit and put up there? Guess what? It's all you, not yeah. the YouTube brass sitting in a room and you're one of 1,700 things they're doing. Right, yeah. You're one of one things you're doing. All right. What advice do you have for the young kid growing up in Winnetka, Chicago, or that area, and with a dollar and a dream, with yeah. no money in his pocket, no idea where he's going, what's going to happen, and how do you get to the point where you break through, and for all those people out there who want to do what you do, and yeah. become such an inspirational force and create your own channel right. and be a person that people go to to make them laugh mm. and make them feel great about their lives. The first thing I would say is there's so many people who want to do it, but they don't actually take the initiative to just do it. Do it. Put something up there. Start the channel. Put something up there if you want to do this, which you know right now that when you there's a survey that went around, number one job every kid wants, YouTuber number one job in the entire country that's what they that's the top one that's top pick but you can't be a youtuber without putting up the content and a lot of people are too scared to put up the content but just put something up you know and be confident in what you're putting up if you're not it's going to be crappy and people are going to see right through it you have to like what you're doing find what you like to do if you want to do youtube what do you want to put on youtube Make sure that it's true to what you actually want to do because people are going to see right through it. If you're doing makeup videos, but you hate makeup, don't do that. It's not going to work. I mean, it might, but at the end of the day, it probably won't. Um, and, you know, it's a hustle. You got to hustle. Uh, once you put it up there, like what I did was I found every single website, every single blog editor. Uh, I found their email addresses and I emailed them my content and I kept doing that for months and they started picking stuff up. So find relevant source uh, places that'll pick it up and email them good emails that look like you care and they'll start to pick up your content if it's good. Um, but if you're making crappy content, once again, you know, it's not gonna work. Uh, so you know what, I think that the main thing is you gotta like what, you gotta really be passionate about it and you gotta put some time and effort into it and it can work. It can work for anyone if you if you if you do those things. I think, it, it, and it is. It's, new people are blowing up every day on YouTube um, with no budgets, just shooting themselves, doing stuff, living their lives in an interesting, creative, fun way. And that's my advice. Just try it. If you want to do it, try it and stick to it. Bart Baker, amazing, unbelievable, great time here today. Thank you so much. What an honor. This has been a very unique and enlightening show. I really appreciate it. I hope your audience likes it as much as I did. Heck yeah. Go see Bunny Bravo. Pre-order it. If you don't have any money, take your parents' credit cards and put them back in the wallet. Super sly. That's what I used to do. This has been another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. If you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show... Tell all your friends.
Okay, I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message, a review on the iTunes comment review section, and one of these people will be a lucky winner. And they'll get to attend a podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions, or else if they're out of town, out of state, or out of the country, we'll Skype them in or FaceTime them or anything like that so they can be there. Why not? So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. All right, let's see. Landing on two thumbs up, five stars. Sent by Mike Likes, L-Y-K-E-S, June 24th, 2017. Reads, a wealth of knowledge for anybody interested in the ins and outs of the entertainment business. Thanks a lot, Mike Likes. I appreciate it, and you are a winner. Special thanks to our new sponsor, AquaTrue, with the first countertop water purifier using multi-stage reverse osmosis technology. Check it out. Go to industrystandardwater.com. Takes you directly to their website. Type in the code 100. Save yourself $100. I have one of these. It's amazing. Start turning your tap water into the best tasting water. Industrystandardwater.com As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes, which will be available for download every Monday, or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to barrykatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support, and have a great day.